0: This is episode 91 of the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. Welcome to episode 91 of the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. Today, I have Cherry Chan on the show to talk about accounting for real estate. In this episode, we went through a bunch of questions that were submitted by my followers on Instagram, as well as questions that I had myself for Cherry, and just got the goods as to what we need to be thinking about from an accounting perspective right here and now at the end of 2020 going through this lockdown with the various different government benefits that are available. So what we should be thinking about. And then we also talked about strategies. Should we be incorporating or should we be building our portfolios in a personal name? Uh, And then also talking about the implications from a mortgage standpoint there as well. So we get into a lot of the goods here and I know you're going to want to catch this episode. So thank you so much for tuning in. Just a quick reminder that if you're new to this podcast, I highly recommend going right back to the beginning. This podcast started in February of 2019 and the episodes are still incredible valid today. So there's been a lot of highly qualified, highly accomplished investors that have come on and shared their stories. And you should absolutely have an opportunity to benefit from that. It's free, it's all there for you. Head on back to episode one and I know you will be glad that you did if you have not already. And then final request, if you haven't already done this, could you please take a moment and rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform it is that you use. It just helps more people to find the podcast and it helps it to grow. I would really appreciate it. Thanks so much. And please enjoy episode 91 with Sherry Chan. Hello and welcome to the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. I have Cherry Chan on the show today. Long-awaited, uh, we have another CA on the show who can answer some questions and, of course, talk about your real estate investments. So, Absolutely. thank you so much. For thank coming.
1: you so much for having me.
0: Yeah, I'm glad we could finally put this together. Yep. And um, I've got so many things to ask you.
1: <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> You're busy.
0: You're busy. Like to, to start off, like um, as far as I can recall, you have a book, right?
1: Yes, I wrote a book, so you and I'm um, coming up with. A second one that's hoping to, I'm hoping to release it by the end of uh, this month.
0: Okay. Yeah. What, are, what are your books on?
1: So the first book is called Complete Taxation Guide to, uh, to Real Estate Investing. And uh, so it's pretty much just for Canadian uh, real estate investor who need to learn the basic knowledge about Uh, what you are eligible to to deduct and what you're not and um, and -hmm. common corporation structure and how it can help you lower your taxes and typically that's what the first book was about and the second book was a more real estate agent focus so i wrote it for real estate agents
0: okay Mm -hmm. and then you also have i think you have a bookkeeping course which i found out because i was actually planning to make one and someone's like oh cherry has one
1: (laughs) (laughs) yes uh we did do a Quick and dirty, easy to understand QuickBook Online uh course. Uh they it is very basic, but okay. it is a good starting point for people to get uh some handle, some hand holding to guide them through how to mm-hmm. set up the initial QuickBook um as well.
0: Cause that is a little challenging, right? I think yeah. QuickBooks is kind of the industry standard, not for real estate investing, but just mm-hmm. for everything. Yeah, absolutely. And I I like it. But oh, for it. me for me to tell somebody how to use it, if they didn't because I have a little bit of an accounting background, mm-hmm. I, I studied it in school. So I understand the basics and I'm not I'm not sure every real estate investor would so they do need a bit of handholding I think oh
1: yeah oh yeah absolutely we yeah. we made it so basic that all they need to do is just to record their expenses and income and at the end of the year the goal is to have their accountant to look at it and do make the the, yeah do yeah. the rest um, but at least a bare bone basic it's already there
0: so um, would part of your setup include um, Entering the properties at their asset value and separating land and, and building and all that stuff, or do you not go that far?
1: I don't think we went as far you as just, that. You just record yes. your
0: expenses, tag them to a location, and we'll yes. set up the rest. Yes, exactly. Okay. Yeah. That is the simple way. <laughs>
1: yeah. Oh, yeah. We want it to be yeah. simple because if you track, um, for example, mortgages, right? You know, yeah. mortgages are. For every month. Like, yeah. yeah, for every month. And every month there's a br- different breakdown for interest yeah. and then also principal. Yeah. It's just hard for them to understand right, how to yeah. do the journal entry. So.
0: Yeah, I, I do track that on mine. Yeah, that's <laughs> But I'm awesome. just like, I'm such a perfectionist. I just want to have, I want to know exactly what my mortgage balances are every month. It's a little bit of a pain, but I kind of have a system for it. No, but, that's
1: awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. I don't even know how much I owe, I do that
0: At only the end of online. The year. Oh okay, so I you should. just you don't you don't bring that on your QuickBooks. No. Okay. We're going to get off of the QuickBooks conversation now. <laughs> Anyways, uh, I I could nerd out over this stuff for hours. So, uh Cherry's obviously a wealth of information here and uh we're going to talk CA questions in a in a minute here, but just for context because the rule is on this podcast, you got to be a real estate investor and yep. obviously you and Irwin are. So, yep. uh Irwin is your husband. He was on back I think episode 38 or 37. Uh, But for those who, and things have probably changed. So tell us, what's your real estate portfolio look like right now?
1: Um, Currently, we own our own home. And then uh, we have three properties out in St. Catharines. And we have, I believe, four properties in uh, Hamilton. Mm -hmm. And then we also have a townhouse in Toronto. And then we have one house, uh, our office condo as well okay yeah
0: office condo. oh okay so it's like a live and work condo or oh just a work no it's just a, it's just a condo okay. it's a unit
1: yeah. and then half of it is rented out so we do our own office hacking as well oh, okay <laughs> yeah. and is your
0: office here in burlington
1: uh no it's at oakville uh at oakville. trafalgar and QEW.
0: oh okay i thought you were hamilton based and okay i had it all uh all mixed up and then you live in burlington, burlington. which weirded me out because erwin's license plate says mr hamilton <laughs> i just figured
1: i know well mr hamilton license plate is a gift was a gift from me when i first met him because okay. he named himself uh, mr hamilton yeah. um we moved to hamilton in 2000 um, i believe 2013 um downtown hamilton right by um has village so for those of you who don't know where has villages is it's where the bar area is yeah. so um Uh, We got people coming into our fence to take away our stuff. Our patio chairs were gone while we were on vacation. It's just, it's a nice area and transition area, but it's not an area that I could raise kids and that's why right. we
0: moved. So you moved. Yeah, yeah. Hess is uh is a zoo, to be put politely. <laughs> <laughs> Fun when you're young.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. You have but, to be young to live in that neighborhood. Yeah, yeah. Yeah,
0: people do some pretty ridiculous stuff down there. So yeah. Y- you know, even coming from I did the whole London bar scene, but I went to Hess and I'm like, what is going on here? <laughs>
1: oh my god the first, like there was one time I remember it so clearly that we went out just for like walk over to Jackson Square just to, you know, like maybe I don't know around 10 p.m. wasn't really that late and I see girls with half of their bottom showing and that's just that's just way beyond what I'm comfortable with yeah yeah they
0: yeah, they haven't quite uh <laughs> matured in the classiness uh, side i think some in some cases yes <laughs> not yeah, at all yeah um, oh for sure yeah it, it, obviously hamilton's an interesting market you've got the uh, pros and cons there okay so you moved out of, out of has village you've got your portfolio there mm-hmm. um are you guys what kind of stuff are you guys invested in in uh hamilton
1: uh they're mostly legal duplex
0: so you did the conversions yes we okay. did the
1: conversion and we have one student rental as well
0: Okay, mm-hmm. and for your average property in Hamilton, are you actively going back and refinancing them up to eighty percent, or or do you kind of just let them build up equity?
1: Um, we did what we could, and uh, recently we just discovered that we could um, potentially move some of the properties to my uh, corporation, uh, that then free up some of the my personal credit to right. allow me to borrow more to purchase more. So that is. a That is a process that we're going through right now.
0: Okay, so let's talk a little bit about that. And I think what you're referring to is if you move them to a corporation and then finance them commercially, you just reset the clock more or less.
1: Exactly, yeah. yeah. So I do, uh, we're in the process of transferring all like three properties into the
0: corporation. Okay, so you're going to pay the land transfer tax on three?
1: Actually, all of them are only in trust for the corporation. So there is no land transfer tax to begin with. Oh, okay. With.
0: So they were in trust. So you're yes. just going to actually roll them in. So, yeah. that's yeah. you know, I'm in that position too, where I could roll all my personally owned properties into a corp, but just the bill for land transfer just makes me not want to do it. But I want to uh, reset the clock on myself because yeah. I'm, you know, for some banks I'm tapped out.
1: Oh yeah, exactly. So I was uh, asking uh, one of the banks to see if they would take me on because, um, one other like it was another bank that gave us five mortgages but all based on my personal income and now if i were to refinance and any of these properties they would not give me more money right. and but they three of these properties were only in trust for the corporation so i could just move it over to the corporation and then um Refinancing a different bank with a different bank, uh, only in trust for the corporate, only directly in the corporation's name at the time of closing. So then they remove the whole, um, I guess, the whole mortgage off my credit report.
0: Yeah, that's the nice thing. And I, I've noticed it, and, and somebody who's done this more can, can tell me. But in my experience, when the corporation holds the properties, you don't see it on your personal credit bureau. Yeah, which means it doesn't go into your application when you're applying for more mortgages. Exactly. So that's a that's a really nice um, feature. And um, had I known what I know now, I would have probably built portfolio differently. Um, oh, absolutely. Certainly, you can you can speak to the tax advantages to owning personally because you don't pay that ridiculous forty five percent tax in the, the corporation.
1: Uh, in the corporation, you pay like depending on what you do. So it, it, it's opening up a can of worms. Do you want well, me to we're go gonna, We're going to
0: open that can of worms. But I mean, am I correct in saying like, it, because it would be considered passive for just a, owning a property inside of a corporation that would be considered passive income?
1: Um, if you earn rental income specifically, yes, yeah. it is considered what commonly known as uh, passive income. Uh, yeah. The tax term is called specified investment business income, which includes uh, interest uh, income. It, yeah. it includes rental income and dividend income as well.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. Well, you can do tax-free dividends, though, from a corporation to a corporation, right? Uh,
1: depends. You it, They have to be connected corporation, meaning one corporation has to own the shares, uh, at least 10% of the shares of right, the other corporation, right. yes.
0: Yeah, okay. So that's how I do with my companies because I have the operating company and I mm-hmm. pass the dividend up to my holding yeah, company absolutely. tax-free. Yeah, Yes. Okay, so good to no, know I'm not... Any no there. you know a lot
1: already <laughs> you know what kind of questions to ask i've so. been
0: i've been thinking about these um yeah so we're we're gonna we're gonna dive in because mm-hmm. and and these are like i like to hear what different accountants will say right yeah, so absolutely. i'll talk to one because i mean some people it's always a, a working interpretation for yeah. some of the stuff oh yeah because you have to interpret the way it's written and yes and and how that might uh might differ based on who's reading it um, so we do have some some questions and I, I think we might as well just, just get into them. Sure. Um, I got some people asking questions on Instagram, which I'm <laughs> going to pull out right now, see if I got any new ones here. I uh, For
1: the record, I have no idea what these questions are.
0: And that's the way we roll on this show. Um, there is no being prepared because you never know what I'll ask <laughs> or <laughs> what the guests will ask. Um, anyway, so we've got a couple here. Okay. So can you deduct cost of training, mentorship, seminar fees? Uh, against rental income so this is one of our, our guests or one of our my instagram followers asked that question
1: okay great question so training mentor mentorship as well as like coaching and membership i would I would always group them under the same category. Um, Typically speaking, the Income Tax Act has this general rule, and the general rule says that if you are earning a specific type of income, you're eligible to deduct the expenses that you incur for the purpose of earning that particular income, subject to a bunch of exceptions. Right. Okay? So membership coaching and all these expenses fall under that general rule because it's not part of the exception. Um, The the key here is to make sure that you would... um, you take action and depending also also depends on the 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 rental income that you're reporting so like for example for someone who bought one property or didn't buy any property go on coaching and didn't do anything for years and years and then all of a sudden you say hey i incurred that cost like two years ago and now i'm finally buying my first investment property. You need to be able to establish that correlation. Mm. And that the correlation is the strongest when you take action immediately after you incur the expense. So that's number one. Number two is that you like, if you're reporting rental income, that's very small and you're deducting a large expense. Some of these coaching expenses or membership are, $20,000, $30,000, $20,000, $30,000, mm. you're incurring the expenses. Yes, you have a reason to deduct it, but you're also, chances are you're likely going to trigger an audit. And then when you trigger an audit, it's not black and white, because remember, it's general rule. So you have to establish your case to yeah. um, for your deduction. And... And the auditor would have their own standpoint and say, hey, like you did not incur $20,000 just so that you can buy a rental mm-hmm. property. It's up for argument. So all these factors would come to play. And typically, I help my client to position themselves to to take the deduction, maybe not immediately, maybe over a number of years as well, depending on the amount and depending on how much rental income they're reporting. Right. But on the other side, if they're doing flipping and uh, the course is about teaching them how to flip, then that's a different story right like immediately you're taking more
0: active business makes more sense to have active training for an active business maybe okay yeah because rental income is looked at a little bit differently i guess Yeah, exactly um okay yeah that 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 actually makes a lot of sense i like how you uh how you explain that so um
1: oh good that means i passed the first test (laughs)
0: pass the first test don't worry there's many more um okay so how to properly account for properties with JV partners. And uh, I'm sure we could build more than just the accounting side of this into it because there's your legal structure as well.
1: Oh, yeah. Um, joint venture is probably the toughest accounting part that we would have to deal with um when we talk about joint venture i think it's a very like it's an umbrella statement there are different form of joint venture partnership different in different form of um or different strategies mm-hmm. in real estate some people do flips with joint venture partners some people just do long-term buy and hold now uh, typically uh, a lot of my clients would buy a property with a joint venture partner and it's usually 50 50 meaning there is a money partner. Mm-hmm. that would pay for the down payment qualify for financing and there is a sweat equity uh partner who does everything else but would also get fifty percent ownership of the property right um so it's important to make sure that you um you account for everything um so that means including at the beginning the um uh the initial down payment, who pays for what, uh, who's going to pay for the renovation upfront if there is any that needs to be done. Um and at refinancing what would happen at refinancing you have to specify in the agreement like who's going to get the money first sometimes it goes back to the money partner first um, and then all the cash flow who's going to report that cash flow that's very important because i have some um, clients whose jv partner didn't know that they have to report 50 percent of their income and expenses and i have clients who form a joint venture uh, they they call themselves forming a joint venture, but never sign any agreement. Yeah, don't know how to split the income, and it makes our job really difficult. How like,
0: Right. Yeah. So, so if you have a, a say, a client that said in their agreement said that um, the one partner that put in the money will get all the cash flow. Yes. With the exception of a certain amount, that that will change how you account for it yeah oh man that would be messy
1: yeah so like some people would say okay i'm the joint like i've seen joint venture agreement saying that okay the money partner will take all the cash flow all of it so then the the sweat equity partner the real estate expert uh partner himself takes nothing yeah um i also want to caution like so in that case then the joint venture partner is supposed to report the, all the income and expenses during the term because right. you're getting all the cash flow right and and at the end, when you sell the property, the capital gain is 50-50. Right. So then that's how I would account for it. But that has to be specified as well in the agreement.
0: Yeah. So in other words, you would likely be doing up the return for that property and would communicate with the accountant that's handling the other person. Or if you're doing both, you could yeah, help prepare exactly. both. exactly. Um, to make sure that they both basically account for all the income and all the gains exactly. in total so that there's no surprises down the road.
1: And then also there there's also a part that I found it's very important is um uh is that just don't under sell yourself. A lot of my clients would start off by forming a joint venture partner left and right. Mm-hmm. And they buy lots of properties, but there is no money for them to lift off.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And a lot of I'm sure you've seen many investors that tell you that has like hundreds of properties, but they don't live like they have hundreds of properties.
0: Yeah. Because they're, well, joint ventures is just off the uh, right off the cuff. Like it makes it stickier to pull money out. Oh, absolutely. even if you're, 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 putting your money into a joint account, yeah. uh, unless you've r- written these in detail, yeah. um, you know, when, when is it okay to start pulling money out? You know, at I what know. point, at what threshold do we say, okay, that's enough money in the account. Now we can start pulling out everything after that. Uh, if you were partnered with me, we'd be talking ten fifteen thousand, but I know not everybody thinks like that yeah. and, and it's totally up to the person so if I had a joint venture i wouldn't have even i wouldn't even think about it as my money. it would belong to the venture um which I don't know. I find that helpful for savings, but that's another topic. But I don't spend my money for my rental properties because I, I think the account belongs to the property, not really to me. Mm, <laughs> Whatever yeah. that property needs and, yeah. and belong to future properties that I might buy. So,
1: One last thing that's very important in a joint venture mm-hmm. agreement is that um, in case of you die, what's going to happen?
0: So you have to have that written out. Yeah. Uh, I
1: know. I, I mean, I've seen, I've gone through a couple of my clients who... Just pass away all of a sudden. And it's just really messy if you don't have that specified in the agreement.
0: Yeah, that's a great point. And one of the reasons that it just makes sense to get things on paper doesn't matter how much you trust that person. Absolutely. It's just a risk that you're taking. Like if something happens to you, um, you don't want to leave that person with the burden of trying to figure it all out.
1: Um, oh, yeah.
0: That's uh, a yeah, great point. Okay. So uh, tax deductions from rental properties that aren't as obvious. So this person's just asking um, for basically. What are some of the ones? Maybe you can give us a couple of examples of of less than obvious tax deductions for rental property owners.
1: Um, So, typically, I advise my clients to take uh, home office expense, assuming that they don't use their home for any other purpose. Because when you take home office expense, you also need to worry about the prime preserving, trying to preserve the primary residence exemption Mm -hmm. uh, on sale of property. So, if you already rent out your basement, it's a bungalow, and you Rent out your basement and now you're also claiming uh, home office expense a portion of your home as home office expense it may impact your primary residence exemption so you may not want to take that um but typically, I advise my client to take home office expense, and you need to keep a floor plan of your home. Um, if your home is a thousand square feet, um, and the home office that you uh, operate your office uh, operate your rental properties portfolio uh, office is about a hundred square feet, then ten percent of all your uh, mortgage interest, property taxes, uh, insurance, um, utilities, and home internet would be tax deductible.
0: Okay, so. Mm-hmm. Um now I have a follow up question to sure. that. So my understanding is if I had uh say a, a duplex or a secondary suite in the basement and say I lived upstairs. Mm-hmm. So 1000 stairs 1000 square feet up, 1000 square feet down, we'll just say for simplicity. Um if that's roughly 50-50, 50 is my personal, 50 is rental property. So when I sell that, would I be 50% exempt from capital gains and then 50% I would have to pay capital gains on?
1: so if 50 50 chances are yes but then if it is depending on how much you claim it as well right what you show um it's barely it's almost impossible to be 50 50 because you also you know like there's utility room. utility room so yeah. in the basement and it's so it might almost, be 60
0: 40 up it's down.
1: more like 60 40 if okay. it is 60 40 i would try to push it to not report a 40% capital gain but there are certain rules that you have to comply with to qualify that um to preserve the primary residence exemption, it you have to primarily use your property for the purpose of residence.
0: For being your home. Yeah.
1: yeah. So if you rent out 40%, is 40% a significant portion that would uh, push you over the bridge? There is no written rule saying that 40% is too significant or right. 50% is too significant. But obviously, over 50% definitely is a no. Okay. Well, like the,
0: it seems to be definite.
1: Yeah, it's it would like be reasonably definite. you would
0: yeah. assume. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, mm-hmm. you you would hope that the CRA would exercise reason. Um, I would argue sometimes against that, but <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, we'll we'll go on that assumption. Um, sure. Anyways, okay, so we got another one here. Um, can I still get mortgages in my name if I incorporate? So um, I'm not sure the the wording of that question. The mortgage would be in your company's name for the person asking that question um so as far as getting mortgages in your name of course you would be able to on properties you personally buy um, this is just from the mortgage world uh cherry if you had any one thing you wanted to do, adjust to that uh, by all means
1: um recently i did write i think that person i'm trying to interpret that mm-hmm. question that person's question um i think Uh, The mortgage world is educating us, at least the mortgage traditional mortgage broker channel. um, Typically, everyone tells us that it's impossible to get mortgages in the corporation's name. Um, But I was told that it's possible. It is. Uh, Yes. So you can just go to the bank and get it. You can. Um, So if it's my clients, I typically tell them to, if you are... Okay with it, just go to the bank to get your mortgage directly in the corporation's name. There is a workaround. If you can't get mortgages with the corporation, truly you can't, then you can own the property um, in trust for the corporation. There is that concept called trust, uh, uh, beneficial ownership uh, legal concept. And I'm not a qualified lawyer to to explain to you what uh, the beneficial ownership versus the Legal ownership, uh, but what I can tell you is that you can you, from a tax purely tax perspective, um, if you have the proper documentation uh, such as a trust agreement, um, you have the funds flow through the uh, account ca- um, the corporation um, and have the corporation report all the income and expenses, uh, even the initial purchase of the property uh, according to the tax law. Um, we accept uh, CRA accepts beneficial ownership, so therefore you can own the property in your personal name in trust for the corporation, and the corporation can report all the income and expenses.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Now, I mean, from from a mortgage qualification standpoint, down the road that creates something to uh, tweak. A,
1: yeah, that's what t- tweak we talk The underwriter's yes. eye. Yeah. Um,
0: you know, that's not something I would want to have in my portfolio. Uh, a lot of just because it creates future questions and future problems. Yeah. Um, so. Uh, I've definitely heard of it. I've seen it. Uh, I've had clients do it back when I was doing mortgages. Um, Here's a little tidbit I'll give you. Uh, I like mortgage brokers, especially ones that understand rental properties. Um, However, say for instance, Scotiabank back when I was doing deals, um, I couldn't submit a company deal to Scotiabank. It couldn't be in a company. However, that client could go into the bank and do it in a company. Two different standards. So they have a different standard through the broker channel than they do um, retail banking. And I mean, I'm grateful for my time in the business because I understand these things. Um, I, I think it's a, it's not a mortgage broker's job to be free uh, or to only get paid by the bank. I think if a mortgage broker has the ability to tell you these things and educate you and, and guide you, you know, they may or may not choose to charge you a broker fee to refer you out. Or I don't know how they do that to get compensated, but it's it's kind of a conflict of interest in the industry. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And that brokers don't want to send you away because they want to get paid. Yeah. Um, but you know, the second they tell you to just go over to Scotiabank direct, um, you know, there's pros and cons to that. One, you could get any person working in the bank that day. They might not be good. Oh yeah, uh, And they might tank your deal because they don't know what they're doing, which is why we like mortgage brokers. So it's, you know, it's a delicate balance. Um, I don't know if you have any, like you're, you're in the industry quite a while now as an investor. Do you have any thoughts on that or how do you delicate de- you know, deal with that conflict that, that brokers have?
1: Well, I mean, I read it. It's it's been like I wasn't really in the mortgage industry, right? No, so but you're i you in the real estate investing yes. industry. So yeah. I have um it's funny how I just discovered this thing um <laughs> about uh, a few weeks ago, maybe a couple months ago. I should say my one of my uh, team members, my good friend as well, um she um when she started investing in uh Kitchener Waterloo area, she um went out and she bought everything um uh, in the corporation's name. So she qualified under, if you're familiar with it, uh, the CIBC program, she qualified using her own income.
0: Right, so so they still use her income? But okay. they,
1: yes, but they bought it directly in the corporation's name. Perfect. And yep. it's all purchase plus uh, mortgage. Mm-hmm. So it was like two, three in the corporation's name, and then they hit a wall with CIBC, and they're then down to like 30%, 40% loan-to-value subsequent to that. Yeah. So um, recently, they were trying to buy... Uh, fourth property in kitchener and they went to a traditional mortgage broker and they said hey like i don't see any of your mortgages that's registered with CIBC in your personal name and now i can just use your own like as if you are a mortgage version again then we Mm -hmm. can finance your next purchase with 20 percent down yep and and i thought that was really eye-opening because you could have gone yeah. to a different route and then, and then you are able to borrow more later on.
0: Yeah, it's compartmentalizing. I had uh, Carmen Campanero on here a few episodes back and, and she mentioned that that's what she would do. She'd have a, a corporation for each property mm-hmm. and then that corporation owns the property. And even if there is a personal guarantee on there, uh, the banks don't really ask about that if yeah. it's not on your, on your uh, personal ownership then they don't really bring it into the equation. And whether that's just a loophole that we're currently getting through um, and that will eventually be closed, I don't think enough people are doing it that they'll they'll close that loophole. It's a great, great opportunity right now.
1: Absolutely.
0: Um, you know, sucks that I didn't learn this sooner because I Me don't too. want to pay the land transfer. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, yeah. But, uh, you know, that's part of this game, right? You're, mm-hmm. you're constantly learning. I mean, I look at it now for mass acquisition, I'd be looking at in a corporation buying uh, packages of six properties at a time uh, and then I'd eventually just go credit union or commercial financing yeah. with multiple doors. So, uh, yes. and then the sky's the limit. They like they like lots of doors. As long as you meet their cash flow requirements, they like lots of doors. Key yeah. thing: you got to get cash flow; otherwise, it's not going to work. Oh
1: yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah, unless you have some unique strategy. I'm sure there's somebody out there with a unique strategy I'm not aware of. Okay. So, Andrew, can you please ask Cherry? Okay, can you create a property management company to take care of your own property investments, uh, mostly for tax deduction purposes? And uh, so if I create a rental property company uh, to take care of my own personal investments in London, can I deduct business expenses such as utilities, uh, my home's mortgage? I think he's talking about writing off some of his his own personal home office expenses. And then he says also, so a separate question. We'll start off with that one. So he's talking about a tier, it sounds like a tiered company structure where you you create a property management company to manage your rental properties. Yes. Is that, I know people used to do this like 10 years ago. Do they still do this?
1: Uh, I generally don't recommend my clients to do that because um, it's just because it's a lot of paperwork involved and the money has to sit in the corporation. So just using, um, I guess, your audience uh, question, um, background story, if you own properties in your personal name and you just create a property management company, yes, you can do that and have the property management company charge your personal, um, personal rental portfolio of management fee. It is possible to do that. But the problem is that there is no tax saving unless you keep the money in the corporation. Mm -hmm. There is something called tax integration. If you just take out everything that's inside a corporation immediately in the same taxation year as you charge the property management fee. There is no tax integration, like uh, tax uh, saving whatsoever. You're not saving anything. Exactly. The accountant makes the fees, but then other than that, yeah. you're not creating anything for yourself,
0: right? Yeah, yeah. So the logic behind that is you charged yourself. It went into the company. The company pays a 15% or 13% yeah. tax rate, and then you pay tax on the dividends when it's dividended back yeah, to you. exactly. So you're not really saving anything.
1: No, nothing. Yeah. Now, but then there are, then, um, Maybe you are not. The, you are the one that do not need the cash. Yeah. So then maybe there is a reason to leave maybe. the cash in the corporation. Yes, you save the taxes. But then what are you going to do yeah. afterwards with that cash sitting in your property management company? Perhaps That's if something. you wanted
0: to start buying properties. Exactly. Like you could you could dividend that money after your holding company and then back lend it back down to yeah an active investing company. Yeah, something yeah. like that. Then yeah. it,
1: it's. Yeah, it's really up to that person. Um, And then if you are talking about um, uh, owning properties directly in the corporation, real estate holding company, and then Mm -hmm. you also set up a second uh, property management company. So in that case, it gets a little bit more complicated, especially if... um, Different owners are involved because right now, uh, I mean, in 2017, uh, the federal government came out with the new uh, tax on split income rule. So it gets a little bit complicated. Um, it may not be a good idea to um, do dividend at all uh, yeah. when the the property management fees are coming from directly from a related company.
0: Oh, okay. So yeah. are you saying that they might look at your income differently, or they not wouldn't allow some of your deductions. When you
1: draw the dividend from the property management company, they may tax it at the highest tax rate.
0: Oh, okay. So in the corporation above. Yeah. Okay. So here's, here's what I think he was getting at. And I've talked about this before, and I'll just ask you because it's, 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 it's it's, it's to my mind, the reason people would do that structure Mm -hmm. would be they want to get down to the active income tax rate on the property management company at whatever 13% versus the 45 highest. And I'm ballparking these percentages. So passive income rental, uh, 45, no one wants to pay that. It's 50, 50, 50%. Yes, okay. That's 50. ridiculous. Yes. Um, so no one wants to pay that. So, so you'd rather be active. Does mm-hmm. it work for that? If, if I want, so say I have, you know, five properties in a corporation and mm-hmm. then I set up a management company to manage those five properties. Mm-hmm. Do, can I can I charge that property management, even though it's all related, at, at 13% active income tax?
1: Yes, you can. Yeah. Um, the problem of that arrangement is that it's not about the setup. It's about the actual work that you do. The property management company is really operating a business, and it does the work for the real estate company. Mm-hmm. And if you do do that, a proper business means that a proper A proper property management company means that you will have to issue the invoice, have the money coming in, and you have the proper documentation to prove that you are an independent business. It's not just set up for the purpose of tax filing. The money has to change hands. There has to be a management agreement signed, and uh, and, um, um, property management fees being charged has to be reasonable. So all these things has to be done. It sounds easy, but when it comes down to, hey, Charging every single month, having money changing hands every single month, not everyone can do it. A lot of work. Yes, exactly. Yeah, and it's then, a lot of
0: admin. Yeah, yeah,
1: so then to some people, it's not worth it.
0: So you can do that reasonable fee. I mean, reasonable for property management is getting up there. Some people charge twelve percent. Yeah. Um, so it it do, it could be a, a substantial amount. Yes. But do you need? Would you need to also have uh, independent clients for property management as well if you wanted to protect yourself?
1: Y- well, ideally, yeah, in the perfect world, you want to you have... Because then you can kind of legitimize yeah, exactly. your,
0: your business. Yes, it is your And your claim to be able to go as mm-hmm. active income.
1: I think I've uh, done a couple of clients whose uh, property management company actually lose money.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So it kind of defeats the purpose of setting up the property management corporation, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, I have to guide those clients up to like, hey, like, you can't yeah. deduct as much in here. Um, if you think about it, people don't understand that, for example, the home office expense that we mentioned earlier, you can yeah. still deduct it against your rental portfolio. It's a direct deduction there. Why don't you just deduct it over at your rental portfolio and
0: you... Yeah, deduct the home office expense. Exactly. Yeah, the other thing, so I have um, I have one property in a corporation. I should have done more. But uh, um, what I've done to kind of avoid paying taxes, yeah, I'd max the capital cost allowance yes, deduction. Exactly. Yeah, and... I do that. And I don't I don't um, claim an office expense against that company, but that's because I take it in another company. Exactly. So I don't want to get myself in trouble by double dipping. Yeah. Um, you know, just are, are there any you know, thoughts on that matter of things that, you know people should avoid? I mean, obviously, double dipping is one of them. Is there you know, other <laughs> things that come come into your mind?
1: Um, uh, yeah. Like, for example, we all like to pay cash for the contractor work and not get a receipt. Yeah, That's probably that. not a good idea. Um, and then there are people that do pay cash and then still create a receipt on behalf of the other, the vendor, yeah. the contractor. Also not a good idea.
0: I, I I have done that in the past, but I got the contractor to sign it. Okay, so yeah, then I, that yeah, would work. Yeah. I'm like, you don't have a receipt on you? Here we go. You're going to sign yeah, that. Yeah. 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 Very, very important, right? Exactly. Yeah. Um, okay, so I have some ones that I specifically put in here. Uh, we're going to get into it. Uh, the first one is a doozy, and uh, <laughs> the other ones get uh, get a little easier. So first one is HST. At what point do we look at substantial renovations where we would have to charge HST on, say, an additional unit that you're creating or when you're renovating an existing property uh, and refinishing it?
1: So um, HST is a complicated thing. Um, I think for the most part, people don't reach that ninety percent. And okay. when we talk, talk about, um, let's just backtrack a little bit. Um, when you uh, when you purchase a resale home, so someone used that home before, you don't need to pay HST. But when you um, when you buy it and you then spend a fortune in terms of um, renovation, uh, renovating it from top to bottom. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is a chance that when you do that you have to charge HST on the resale of the home because now the house is considered uh, in the eyes of the Excise Tax Act that it's being substantially renovated and it's practically a brand new home. Now, what's considered substantially renovated and it is called um, 90%. So mm-hmm. typically 90% of the uh, the house is renovated, either counted by floor space, wall space, or both of them. Yeah. Uh, then you have to count that 90%. Is it 90% or not 90%? And then document from there.
0: Right, yeah. And then there comes the gray area. Where do we define 90%? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so, this is why HST is a very specific topic.
1: So, if the more documentation you have, the more pictures that you have, the more flooring or drawing or plans that you have, the better it is. Mm. Um, it is quite difficult for CLA to go after that substantial renovation right now. It's hard to know. For them which, to prove it. Yeah. yeah. Um CLA's focus is on HST um on new build. Yeah. That is what they are going after at this right. moment. I mean, for the yeah, yeah. I mean for the last probably six seven years now.
0: Okay. So they're really for people who are doing self builds and not, not assessing HST or not.
1: Or for people who think that they can claim HST rebate yeah. and claim it and then decided not to charge hst later on so those oh, would be okay those the are the,
0: the main targets now good to know right because it's all about who um they're kind of a predator so who they're <laughs> going after <laughs> sorry if you work for them I just... <laughs> the,
1: the hst part is
0: okay next question what do you think about a golf membership
1: could my corporation
0: pay for my golf membership uh
1: these are tough questions <laughs> <laughs> Yes, your corporation, you can use corporate, corporation fund to pay for the corporate owned membership. Right. Uh, But then the thing is, you cannot deduct any of the fees. You can deduct the meals that you take your clients out and entertain them, Mm -hmm. only the meals portion of it. But if you pay for your clients' green fees, they are not deductible.
0: Okay, so so say I don't know, like say three thousand dollars is a fee. I think that's probably low, but for a, for one season,
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, so so that's a membership for one season. Um, you're saying it could be paid with corporate funds, although it wouldn't appear on expense line. It would be after uh, after tax dollars in the corporation.
1: Yeah. So there are two things that we're talking yeah. about. Like the first thing is the uh, financial statements. The mm-hmm. financial statements are done for the purpose of the user, which would yeah, be yeah. So those
0: wouldn't be in the tax version. Yeah. yeah but, so then yeah. that
1: would be like looking Normal. at. Yeah. Normal, just a regular deduction but when we prep your tax return we would add it back to your um to uh your schedule one in your yeah. T, uh, t2 corporation tax return and so it becomes part of your taxable income so you can't deduct it
0: okay so so it's subject to 13 percent or whatever the 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 uh income tax rate is you for my can't corporation. deduct it yes yeah so i'm going to pay tax on that amount yeah, of the income exactly. so it's not deductible. okay but that's still better than you know dividending it out to myself and then paying it personally.
1: It's important to have the ownership clear though. So make sure that it's your corporation owning the membership. So my
0: corporation's no. name should be on it.
1: Yes, yes. Does that
0: mean that more oh I have to ask the golf course if more than one person from my Which corporation. One? Could,
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh no. So typically no. I No looked, they'll put my I've corporate
0: and and the okay yeah. All right. So that's good to know. Um I'm kind of doing some planning for next year right now. Uh okay so tax um Tax benefits, or what do we need to know about this whole lockdown situation and and what the government is offering? Uh, I know we're late into it, but uh, are there things that real estate investors can benefit from, special credits, or maybe it's more just business owners?
1: Um, So there are two things that uh, people are real estate investors or even real estate agents they are they are benefiting from, or they could possibly be benefiting from. Uh, The first thing is the SIBA loan, so it's a I think it's called Canadian Emergency Business Account. And uh, it's a $40,000 loan that um, if you own properties in a corporation, you would probably okay. be able to qualify because it does require um, a business number, a business bank account right now, as of mm-hmm. right now. And then you also uh, need to have a $40,000 non-deferrable expenses. So non-deferrable expenses include mortgages, property tax, and insurance. So oh, non-deferable, uh, non-deferable, because they you can't delay those. Yeah. Um. Or you could have twenty thousand dollar payroll in two thousand and nineteen, gotcha. then that would qualify you to claim to borrow to yeah. uh, not claim but borrow this forty thousand yeah. dollars interest-free loan from the government, and ten thousand dollars is um, waived if you repay this loan by December twenty twenty-two.
0: Okay, now, I haven't taken this in my corporation. I, I feel like I could. Yes, um, you should. I just haven't because, I don't know, I was just frustrated with this whole lockdown thing. I didn't want to participate. <laughs> That's more or less where my head was at. Stupid, I know.
1: <laughs> many, many people took advantage of it and they just got approved. Um, the use of funds is very important. It's supposed to be uh, paying for the non-deferable expenses. So yeah. it's not supposed to be paying, you know, dividend to the shareholder.
0: Right. Well, I mean, in my company it would just be paying for... It would literally just be liquidity. It's it's a it's a construction company. So. Yeah,
1: yeah. So then there you go.
0: So that's okay. Yeah. I mean, I still pay myself dividends, but I like liquidity. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely.
0: <laughs> um, okay. So so if it's tax free or sorry, interest free, I don't think I heard that part before. So maybe it is interest free. So maybe I should apply for that.
1: And then ten thousand dollars is waived if you.
0: So free ten thousand dollars.
1: Pretty much. Is that ten thousand dollars
0: considered income then?
1: I would think so, when but they haven't really talked about it they
0: haven't yeah Mm -hmm. i mean but normally you would if if something's like no longer due, then it becomes earned
1: exactly yeah
0: okay oh accounting so much fun um (laughs) okay so that's a good one to know real estate investors could take advantage of that anything else
1: um i mean we're kind of late to talk about serp serp ended uh i think it was now it's now changed uh to the ei which has special type of um Mm -hmm format that I haven't really followed so far um, and then for commercial landlords out there there are some there are rumors that I just saw that um, small business would be able to take advantage of and apply directly to the government to get the benefit or get the uh, help they need rather than to apply through their landlord so before um, small businesses would uh, have to have a drop in revenue for 70% yeah. and more yeah. or more before they would qualify under this commercial uh, commercial rent relief program. Gotcha. But uh, that was for the last few months. Now the rumor is that because they're, they're, that program was so strict that nobody can qualify and very few people apply, right. so they're coming out with a new program.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's really unfortunate to see... Um, you know, not not that I'm trying to intentionally be critical, but just how many small businesses are not coming back because of all this. Yes. Super, super sad. Yes, I'm sure very. you're seeing it in your client base. A lot of them are just saying, "No, that's that's it."
1: I am fortunate in a way. A lot well, of my lot clients because real, real estate investors, yeah, okay, um, yeah. yeah.
0: So you don't have to see it as first hand or second hand, I guess.
1: We do belong yeah. to this entrepreneur organization, and uh, and a lot of their you see a lot of people are having a tough time to Mm. come back and generate any revenue so
0: uh yeah it's quite the dilemma i'm really hoping that we see a change in the way this is being handled and you know at some point we've got to let the market resume otherwise we're digging ourselves a deep hole um
1: I know it's like scary. It, it's just so sad that the the media has been only focusing on the number of cases uh confirmed every day, and two weeks ago, when I was talking to my team i'm like, Why are we not talking about the number of cases um, that do not need to be hospitalized and fully yeah. recovered? How many cases are actually hospitalized, and how many of them are in the i c u yeah and how many of them actually yeah. got better and got released but then they don't talk about yeah
0: well that's context right and w- what are the what's the damage being done yeah by our approach how many lives how many people will commit suicide because their business went under you know and then those are tough topics and, yes. and i and i don't mean to diminish because i know this is sensitive and my heart goes out to everybody affected by yeah. this because we all are and of course some people have had family members become ill and i i feel so deeply for you and i'm not diminishing any of that um i just I think we all, I like to say this, like we all want what's best for humanity and might just disagree on how to get there. Um, It's not that we want to be insensitive or anything like that. It's just we have to be balanced in how we look at this.
1: Well, I do have one client who committed suicide just because of COVID. I think it's directly. So you've seen this. Yeah, directly caused by COVID. And
0: well it's depression too right oh yeah like, oh, people, yeah, like yeah.
1: but the trigger was the COVID lockdown yeah yeah so before well, i'm sure there was serious well, it exasperates too. the problem yeah. right you yeah. like,
0: think about alcohol abuse and there's so many things like this is a you know it's a it's a can of worms to dig into yes but this is what it is to be an adult to be in to be in a, a democratic society where we have to be balanced about our decisions and can't be one-sided and emotional um which is easier said than done yeah easier oh absolutely
1: absolutely yeah. like i just wanted a little bit more context in the media rather than just focusing on the number of new cases found right
0: you know. well yeah i mean in the, and i've i've been doing a lot of research on this um and i feel i've given the appropriate caveats here uh <laughs> yeah that you know even the, the creator of the pcr test has um reservations about it being used for this purpose um mm-hmm. uh, has had discussions about how it amplifies a material and and you know we 're getting even ontario's minister of health has admitted fifty percent false positive, so oh when we God. only yeah. talk cases it's very deceiving um, it's, it doesn't doesn't necessarily mean somebody's infected um, it, it could just mean the case triggered and you know again rabbit hole, but I think that um, you know we as investors and I think a lot of um, you know a lot of us think business minded um, and we think you know what what's happening here, and what is going to happen to all those that we care about in their businesses, so again, I really hope that you know we can all voice our our opinions and re- respectfully and, and hopefully if, if you feel strongly about this, contact your m p contact uh, your local governments and uh, tell them, hey, this doesn't work <laughs> we need We need to have have some context, number one yeah and and some progress and a plan a plan would be great just a plan would be awesome yeah
1: oh absolutely
0: (laughs) isn't that the weird thing we don't have a plan a reasonable plan for resumption it's crazy that this is the world we're in um any questions that you can think of that we i didn't ask you or no one asked yet like what are some common ones you get
1: The most common one is, should I incorporate?
0: Should I incorporate? (laughs)
1: Um, I think we cover uh, a portion of that. Like There are reasons to set up corporation because you can put the properties, mortgages directly inside a corporation. Um, There's the legal liability protection. Um, There is also, um, um, the reality is that from a tax perspective, there are definitely flexibility in terms of um, Tax sheltering—it's not necessarily tax saving immediately, but tax flexibility. Mm-hmm. Uh, right now, I'm working on a retirement planning um, uh, proposal—not proposal, like retirement plan—for one of my clients who uh, is considering retiring. She owns three properties in her corporation, and. I would be able to sell some of these properties, um, the three properties in different stage, um, and then spread out the capital gain and dividend over a number of years to pay to her. And therefore, from there, I would be able to lower their taxes rather than taking it all at once in the personal name. So those are the flexibility and advantage of having the corporation. Of course, then it comes to maintenance costs because there's annual tax filing. Mm -hmm. It's always a hassle to maintain a second bank account and a second legal entity 100%. But so it's not for everyone. I get it. But it's worthwhile to look at the whole whole big picture. But rather than just thinking, okay, my accountant or like these people said that you need to have have at least three to make it worthwhile. But little few people would say that the three has to be in the corporation to make it worthwhile. If you Mm -hmm. own the three in your personal name and then transfer it to the court, yeah yeah then you lose out on the land transfer tax
0: yeah i don't want i don't like that land transfer tax but um yeah so i mean in in my mind um there's a trade-off uh, you have huge flexibility you have huge ability to get a lot more growth and mm-hmm. more mortgages um and then the negative is you're gonna pay that hefty tax rate yeah um, you can offset it a lot with capital cost allowance and then i believe something accrues there's uh, something accrued that you can you can get it back, I think.
1: Yeah, so the fifty yeah. percent is just a specified investment tax rate. Mm-hmm. Um typically we don't pay that. We claim maximum capital cost allowance yeah. against the rental uh income. Yeah. Uh flips income, they're they're considered active, so they're they don't even fall right. under that fifty percent. Right. Um
0: just for passive. Yeah, just yeah.
1: the rental income. And when you are um when out of the fifty percent that you pay Third, if you do pay that 50%, 30% would be refundable when you declare a taxable dividend to the shareholder.
0: And so that would be refunded to the corporation? Refunded
1: to the corporation.
0: Okay, so they just get a check back from, you pay yes. dividends, here's a check back. Yes, so okay.
1: 30% minus, sorry, 50% minus 30%, so we're talking about 20% yeah. in the corporation that you're truly paying on the passive income. Right. But it, you have to declare the taxable dividend. So if yeah. you do declare the taxable dividend, that means the shareholder, meaning the investor themselves, would have to report dividend and then in you their pay, pers- tax there, you pay yeah. personal tax right so then you then you have to play around with timing because if timing is off then then you're paying more tax
0: yeah so not simple is, is the answer there yeah. but <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah nothing is simple in the income yeah. tax act
0: which is why you need a good uh, accountant somebody understands investing which obviously you do um, to help through this way so I, I think the takeaway here is yeah work with a professional work with somebody who can help you make these decisions because they aren't easy
1: yeah. You know, realistically
0: they're just not unfortunately it yeah. should be it should be simple but it isn't uh <laughs> thanks canada um anyways no i i am grateful to live here i think we have a lot of advantages so oh, w- yeah, we'll 100%. deal with it yes. we'll deal with it yes um okay so cherry are you guys still looking for investments or are you uh are you on the stock hacking uh route here uh what, what's your investing strategy right now
1: So we do have stock hacking uh, going on. So we just finished a stock hacking uh, course over the weekend, teaching people how to generate cash flow. Um, I I mean, I'm really blessed to find this stock hacking strategy Mm -hmm. on top of uh, real estate investing. So I would not be where I am without real estate 100% because there are many business decisions that I take in the back of our mind, we thought that we're going crazy. Like, why would we take this? Yeah, like, including doing the conference last year. Um,
0: yeah,
1: uh, hosting Grand cardone to over sixteen hundred people. Uh, it's not an easy task. But when we did it, when we made the decision to go ahead, our thought was that okay, worst case scenario, we, we sell a house. It's not the end of the world we Mm -hmm. don't have to start all over again it's just one house that we have to sell
0: like if things didn't go great or if you didn't didn't make the money back exactly
1: we just need to do that and and so i'm forever grateful for my real estate portfolio um but then at the same time i've also seen my mom's house um that i often talk about my mom's house is in toronto she doesn't live in canada anymore she has this rental property in toronto that i help her manage and this property um had a flood years ago so we were renovating top to bottom and then there was a pipe burst and um, there was a flood and the pipe happened on the second floor so then it, uh, the water came through the living room, room um, uh, ceiling and then go down to the basement so it's rained in the house the entire house i've
0: experienced that
1: (laughs) yes the entire house was flooded it's a small house but it still cost a fortune right and it cost her to um it cost her about 50 to 60 grand to fix everything up for rental um this house was fully pay off when she bought it, it was 320,000 of course today it's like over a million dollar yeah um she's only getting $2000 rent every single month after expenses uh she's getting $18,000 net rental income mm-hmm. um so she needs to save for 3 years of net rental income to pay for one major renovation
0: right yeah
1: so, I mean, I have nothing against, um, I love real estate. And I think real estate is the long-term wealth uh, growth mm-hmm. uh, strategy. There is nothing that could beat real estate. But at the same time, I think that there are other strategies out there that you could also use yeah,
0: supplement. to complement
1: yeah. each other. Yeah. Yep. So let's use my mom's house as an example. That house is worth a million dollars. If she sells it for a million dollars, I put it in the stock market and that would give me 5% five um, percent, say five percent dividend. Yeah. So five percent on the a million dollars is fifty thousand dollars. She's doing
0: better than she is on her real estate right now. Yeah,
1: exactly. So well, part of
0: that is that she wasn't leveraged, right? She'd already paid off the mortgage. Exactly. If she was leveraged, her return on equity is better. Yeah.
1: yeah. So that fifty thousand dollars and she's in her retiring retirement age, right? Yeah. That fifty thousand dollars if she has no other income. She yeah. dividend income, Canadian dividend income if you have no other income. Basically it's tax free for the first fifty thousand dollars.
0: Yeah, okay. I thought it was sixty, Yeah, okay, so 50.
1: maybe close to fifty five. Yeah, it's in between. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. In between. Okay. But that's pretty awesome deal. Like if you have a couple that earns a yeah. hundred grand tax free, mm-hmm. it's pretty amazing. Of course, like you have to play around with your own situation. I just thought that, hey, like this stock hacking thing provides certain cash flow yeah. and it allows a, many of my clients actually quit their job because they have this sub, this income to supplement mm-hmm. their life so it's just one step closer to yeah
0: and and just real quick so this is uh the simple part of this is selling put options on stocks um more which you, you you yeah. there's way more to it but yeah. that's the simple version i got from erwin in the books i read <laughs> last year uh so you're selling you're selling that and and basically you collect a premium and then you you might not ever have to buy that stock Anyways, Erwin talked about it in the episode that we did. Oh, yeah, he did? <laughs> so, yeah, he did talk about it a bit. So if you wanna, anyone wants to listen to that episode, I think it's uh, 37 or 38. Uh, and that was right before the stock hacker or uh, the wealth hacker um,
1: conference, yes. conference, yes. which,
0: would, you know, that was one of the topics. So you guys have gone way advanced into this. And I, I was picking Irwin's brain about it when we got together last. Yeah. Um, lots more I need to learn about it. Um, and it, that's probably its own episode if we want to, if we want to dig into that a bit more, but, uh, cause it's complicated, but.
1: Oh, no, it's not for everyone as well. Like, yeah. but it's just another strategy out another there. That's strategy. Yeah. Another tool that you yeah. can add, add, add to your toolbox.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so Cherry, how do people get in touch with you if they would like to connect, maybe have you help them out with accounting? Um, where should we send them?
1: Um, you can visit my website, um, let me just try to speak this clearly because people you always get it wrong it's realestatextips.ca i do a weekly blog post on uh, real estate tax tips Uh, sometimes i update uh, i do some update on court cases that i've been reading up on Uh, sometimes i talk about the top 10 tax deductions a real estate investor should Mm -hmm. take Uh, there are a lot of blog posts a lot of resources out there um i've done I would say about 400 blog posts there in that database. Yeah, you're
0: always posting stuff. And it seems very interesting topics. I see them on the group. And, and uh, yeah, that's definitely a value add. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so realestatetaxtips.ca. And I got that right?
1: Yeah, realestatetaxtips.ca. And if you follow, you want to follow me on social media, it's just realestatetaxtips. That's yeah. Facebook and Instagram.
0: Okay, yeah. And I've got you on Instagram. So I will put those in the description and uh, then from an investor standpoint just final words of wisdom to help people take it to the next level you guys have obviously got a, a very well established portfolio uh, you're doing it right you've got you know secondary income what would you want to leave people with as a you know kind of a piece of advice
1: we learned uh, recently from the entrepreneur organization that we are part of that um, we need to have a big hairy, audacious goal in our <laughs> business, and to us that goal is to help ten thousand to help create ten thousand millionaires in the next ten years with golden hearts so to Erwin and I, I think the best um not necessarily the best thing but the the most important thing in our mind is that. Yes, we make money, but doesn't mean that we stop there. We take care of ourselves, we take care of our families, but we want to step up, and we also want to help the less fortunate. Uh, On the way to golf today, uh, maybe on the way home, uh, he was telling me how he's going to give this um, card, send a card to um, one of our friends that we knew from CrossFit. On uh, her daughter, it's her daughter's birthday, but because of COVID, the daughter cannot get together with the friend. So then she's not. She's now feeling down. She's teenage years. Um, So what Erwin did instead of sending the card, her his plan is to send a set of iPod. um, Okay. um, What's that called? The
0: uh, oh uh earpods earp- yeah, Yes. Yeah. sorry Airport. Yeah. i don't
1: sorry i don't use iPod like airport so he's going to send that enormously oh, okay so just to have the financial resources yeah. to do things like that makes us mm-hmm. really happy
0: yeah that's super admirable and i know you guys have the basket basket brigade yes right? we have yeah. a,
1: our own basket brigade charity yeah, so yes. you have your own
0: charity you guys do a lot of stuff.
1: (laughs) I know. Sometimes I wonder how we have all the time. (laughs) I do too. And you still have
0: time for golf. So that's good. Um, Yeah. Hopefully we can get out again this year. That would be be awesome. So we're going to try and set something up. But thank you so much for taking the time to do this.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Thanks for tuning into today's episode. Just a friendly reminder that the kindest thing that you can do if you're enjoying this content is to share it with somebody that you think it could help. I don't have a big marketing budget for this podcast. Everything is word of mouth. So your sharing this content means everything. Thank you again. I'll look forward to seeing you on the next episode.